Hello world and welcome back. This is Kari Go by Cutica Health with your host, Aman. On today's episode, we're looking at the topic autism. That's what we're looking into today. And to help me just get into the details of this topic, I have two guests with me today. One is an expert. He's a medical doctor with a master's in science degrees. Degree, sorry. <laughs> He's also a fellow in psychiatry at the West African College of Physicians and the National Postgraduate Medical College of Nigeria. He also has an advanced clinical fellowship in child and adolescent psychiatry. He has done clinical work in psychiatry in children, young people and adults in Nigeria and in the UK for several years. Did I also mention he's a medical doctor? Okay, I think I did. Please help me welcome Dr. Oluro Timi Ade Jumo. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you very much. All right, and my second guest for today, she's pretty special, okay? She's going to be sharing her experience with us. She's an entrepreneur in leather and iron works, and she has also been sharing her experiences on a Facebook platform where autistic children's parents, mothers especially, come together to learn. And she has been doing this for so many years, and she has come to bless us with her experience also today. So please help me welcome Mrs. Betty Ezekwesiri. Thank you very much. It's a Thank pleasure. You. Thank you so much for joining us. So just to get us kick started into what we have to talk about today, I have to go with you, Mrs. Betty, first. Can you share with us the experience you've had when it comes to dealing with or living with a child who is autistic? Well, I would say it has not been easy, but it's actually fantastic. To me, I feel it is an eye-opener. Okay. It is, to me, autism seems to be an eye-opener to some things. But the experiences have never been easy. But this point is becoming gradually easy for me. Yes. So when when did you discover or when did the signs pop up that made you realize, wait, my child might actually be slightly different from others? Okay. Um, and I noticed that when he was six months, he he would begin to bang his head on the wall. Wow. When he yeah, that yes, that is when he was crawling. He would go to the wall, he would bang his head up to 10 times. So I would have to, you know, stop him or carry him not to do that. But he kept doing that, but I never saw it as anything until when he was one. So I noticed that he started uh, looking at things that turns around in circles, something like fan or maybe okay. running tap, anything like that. He turns... Anything that turns around makes him excited. Wow. Unlike normal children, you know, maybe if you roll a ball or wheel of a tire or anything that turns around in particular makes him so excited. I feel that that wasn't normal. Yes. So he, yes. So he actually started talking at one year and two months. Then, wow. as well, at uh, a year and Four months again, I noticed that he couldn't talk again. 
So I had to start asking questions why he wouldn't he wouldn't talk. Then people were advising me to wait until when you get to two months. I mean two years. Two years. Two years. So when between a year plus to two years, I noticed he start he doesn't play with other kids. He doesn't he stays on his own, he isolates himself, he plays alone, he makes some kinds of animalistic uh, sounds. Sounds. You know? So I I was worried about some somebody like me that is not educated. I I didn't I don't know what to do actually. So they now said okay, put him in the school so that he can socialize. Okay. Uh, so that, that, that maybe if he now socialize with other children, that maybe he can start talking. So two years I enrolled I enrolled him in a normal school, of which there was no difference. I went back to the uh, hospital. They even cut his tongue again, tongue tag again, when he was three years, until when he got to five years, I had to take him to a UPTH where they now said this science could be autistic science. If I was not referred to an autistic center. So those science is not easy because you see a child, maybe I can't even walk along the road with him. I notice he, he reacts to sounds. Noise, yeah. Yes, no, as if I take him to an expressway, ha, the drama is not easy one. And it is our country. They will look at you and maybe you are even insane and your child is insane. If yes. maybe I'm in a vehicle with him and then other tipper, something like tipper makes sound outside, he closes his ear and starts shouting in the, in the vehicle, public vehicle. And it will be like, madam, you know, hold your child. Yes, something yes. Like that. So when I now noticed, they told me it's autism. That is when I had to accept the situation like that. And then that was it. Wow. So you didn't even know exactly what it was till at the age of five? No, no, wow. no, no. Wow. So Dr. Adijima, I have to ask, for like you're the expert here, we're still learners. I think Mrs. Betty is still learning. I, I have Betty no idea. She's probably the, big, the biggest expert here, actually. Because she's, oh, she okay. yeah, because she has the experience now. Yeah. yeah, but you know, you've been doing this for quite some time. So I think compared to, at least compared to her, you have like a special, a special grade. So from the expert opinion, what would you say autism is and why is it known as a spectrum of disorders? Right, so... Um, Autism is, um, of course, the word itself com comes from, you know, a very long, you know, history of yes. trying to describe these behaviors. And there's someone called Leo Kanna in history who first described some of these um, presentations in children. It's called a neurodevelopmental disorder. And that's the category we put it in, in, okay. you know, in classifying conditions, especially in pediatrics or psychology or psychiatry. Um, it's called neurodevelopmental because, first of all, it affects the development of the nervous system, central nervous system. What that manifests in is un unusual um, brain functioning. And that unusual okay. brain functioning, of course, you don't look into the brain to say, is it functioning well or not well? How you see it is in the person's behavior. So you see yes. slight differences in patterns of behavior. Um, the individual's ability to learn, the individual's ability to interact with their environment, individual's ability to remember things and sometimes manipulate things. That's even motor, motor function. Um, you know, so that's, those are the things that are affected and tell you oh, there's something wrong with the way the brain is functioning. It's also called neurodevelopmental because it starts from the early childhood. 
oftentimes, okay. like, like, like Mrs. Betsy has saying, you will see features as early as the first year of life. So it's called developmental for that reason. And unfortunately, a lot of these features could tend to, you know, last. Overlook. No, not just overlook, but last throughout life. So those are the characteristics of a neurodevelopmental disorder that autism is. Um, there are okay. others in that category, but we're talking about autism today. Yeah. All right. Okay. So now, Mrs. Betty noticed some signs yeah. when he was a year, when he was a year plus, and then people just advised her, okay, wait till two years and all of that. And she didn't get the medical verdict yeah. till when the, the child was five years old, I think. Yes, I'm right. Yes. Mrs. Betty, am I right? Okay. So my question for you, Dr. Adejimo, would be, what happens if someone with this disorder is not identified early? Like, let's say she just left him thinking, okay, you know, we have a belief on this part, in this part of the world where mm. we believe everything gets better over time. So what happens if someone with this, this disorder is not identified early? Okay, to answer that question, I'll go back to something you asked earlier on. You, you asked about the spectrum and the fact that it's referred to as a spectrum disorder. That's a very yes. important point. A spectrum, the use of that term essentially means that there's a range of presentations with autism. In fact, okay. the word autism is actually one word used to describe a very, very wide range of possible different presentations. I say that very, very specifically because you could have someone who is really quite impaired. At the moment, I work with people with learning disabilities. So, some people who are impaired who need support with every aspect of their function, who can't even speak at all. And then you okay. have someone on the other end who you would actually not know they have any challenges except you saw them in certain situations who, in other yeah. words, are well-functioning, well-developed. In fact, they're actually looking for the diagnosis of an adult who succeeded throughout life, you know? Mm. And so, yeah. so, And everywhere along the spectrum, you have different kinds of presentation to different levels of severity, and all of them are still called autism. Now, that's important when we think about how early it's identified or not. Typically, that's you, true. Um, and, and I'm really, really sad, sad to hear, you know, um, about, you know, Ms. Betty's experience. And that's the experience of a lot of parents, unfortunately, who, yes. um, whose children evolve. And uh, something's not right, something's not right. And sometimes the mom, mom is not even able to say, this is exactly how, I just know there's something not right with my child. It's often yes. more difficult with first-time mothers. Like she said, she was a first-time mother because you don't have much to compare with Yes. Uh, except you live in a, a household where there are several cousins or, you know, that kind of thing. Um, um, the challenge really with, with identifying it is the earlier these changes are identified, I'm using my words very carefully, the earlier interventions can be started. Generally, they say the first five years of life, you know, the first, with the first three to five years of life are essential for learning and brain okay. development. And that's critical in any kind of intervention we're talking about with autism. What I mean, what I mean is the earlier you start to do anything, the brain is still growing. The easier it is for that change to affect what the child will be doing for the rest of their life. We all, all know right. that the older people get, the more fixed they are, the more difficult it is to learn and to change. That's true. You know, so generally, that's why the earlier you start, the better. That's why identifying it early is important. It's I key. Must, it's key. Um, let me sound a note of just um, because when you say from this part of the world, I mean, the, the truth is everywhere in the world, really, people don't like to put labor early. Um, yes, that's true. So generally, we know that it's not all the time that someone who's not speaking by age two, for example, necessarily has autism. So a lot of true. people will say, OK, let's look at everything for a while and let's be sure that we have a clear picture before this is where the problem is. So 
um, you, you have different kinds of challenges. And sometimes you could have a child who is just a bit slow in developing some characters. They may not necessarily have autism. It's why people don't put the diagnosis that early. I would rather wait until it's really quite clear. Yes. Um, before yep. they give a diagnosis. Yes. yes. Okay. Okay. So, Mrs. Betty, now let's come back to you. I will, you know, you mentioned some things that you noticed early on at the age of one, the, the like, for example, the him, the, the child speaking at, I think a, a year and two months, and then all of a sudden that went away. I have to say you were very, 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 should I say, you were quick to notice all of these things, but I would like to know what are some of the things that you you did at that point in your own way of trying to help your child? What are some of the things you did to say, okay, maybe if he does this, maybe if I do this, he can bring a solution to some of these things I'm seeing in him? Okay. Um, what I was doing is by making sure I stop him from going to anything that could harm him. Okay. So I have to sacrifice my job. Then I was an auxiliary nurse. Okay. So I have to sacrifice that work by being with him all the time at home. So, and I make sure, like, I started going on research about, about it. Mm. You know, when a child does this way, what could it mean? When a child is doing this one, what could it mean? So, even online, I, I saw uh, words like autism, that it could be signs of autism. So when they now finally diagnosed it, I wasn't surprised anymore, you know? Yes. So uh -huh, that was what I was doing. So I had to make sure I put him in a place, in on, I put him away from danger, anything that can harm him. Because yes, I think he, he could flew from a high... You know, something he will climb to a high something and he will jump from there. He shouts, oh. he, you know, all those kind of things. I have to make sure I'm always available, I'm always around. I make sure I put away uh, house helps. I never had any house help, even when other kids started coming, never, no house help. You know, you know, those these kids could be easily abused. So, yes. I have to make sure it was only me and him. So I never stopped praying and I never stopped declaring, God, you gave me this child and you didn't give me autism. You gave me a child. So yes. I make sure I anoint him from that tender age. I make sure I anoint him every day. But there's nothing I could do. So when, we, when they finally diagnosed autism and all that, uh, I should go for therapy and I couldn't afford them. So all I, I was doing is doing things I know I can do on my own, like finding out the food that are okay for them, uh, something like onions. I make sure I put more of onions in his food, you know, garlic, all those kind of stuff. I make sure I go on other things for yes. him. So And it was working. I believe my prayers and that care, what, what the challenge that most of our mothers are having with their special cases that they don't want to accept that situation. They, they feel like maybe it's a spiritual thing. Somebody has done this to them, this and that, or this child just came to punish them. You know? Yes. They, they want to abandon that child, lock the child up. This, this few months, I started uh, uh, post 
on my son. So many women have been coming into my inbox. How are you able to do this? I told them one thing I do is I accepted the situation and I don't lock my child inside. I know that it could be so embarrassing maybe when you walk on the way, the way your child reacts. And even leave me to go and hug another person or, uh, you know, something like that. But That's true. locking him inside is not the best option. So I tell them, you have to accept the situation. So I make sure I anoint him every day. That is the only thing I know I could do. And then make sure I get him natural things. And then another thing is I, I, I work more on pointing. I make sure I point. The, 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 what you see my do in my updates is as a result of time and I make sure I point if I say my bucket a cup could be in a mass front at his front I will say my get, get me that cup he's looking at the cup but he's going to get a book I will still go yeah. he must see cup you know he must see the cup here this is cup I have to hit on the cup this is cup I give it to me I'm standing there I give it to me but these are things many mothers do not have the patience to do they'll be That's like true you know, they will hit the child. At, at your up now, it's in your front. Think up, they will hit. But you must make sure you point. And you will still follow to go to that, and pick you know, it. that run and pick it. Mm. Yeah, you pick it and drop it and say, yeah, pick it and give it to me. That is all I was doing and it was working. Wow. Man, you have the, the like, I have to commend your patience. Because like you said, most people, Oh, Lord, most people would not be able to do that. And to think that, you know, wow, that is just, it's pretty mind-blowing. So, Dr. Adichma, I have to ask, mm. when it comes to reducing the risk of autism, does that start before or after conception? And what are some of the tips you can give to expectant mothers? Um, it's, so currently, I mean, to answer that question, we would assume yeah. we would assume that we know what the causes of autism are. And yes. Science as of now is not doesn't have a definitive answer to say this is what causes autism. The way it presents seems to suggest that there is an interaction between genes and the environment. So the biggest contributor to autism happening is a genetic one. What that means is that. Um, there are certain characteristics, you know, genes in the in the parents that come together, you know, to and bring they, that and, and present this character. And of course, when they interact with a certain kind of environment in the child, there is a high likelihood for the child to have autism. Because we don't have the means right now, even in any developed country, to say this is the gene profile of a man, this is the gene profile of a woman. Or if you come together, you would have a child that has a high likelihood of autism because of that gene combination. It is hard to say that this is what to do to prevent it. Having said that, that there, there's some things that science has identified. For example, if there is a child who has had autism in the family, um, there is a, about 19% chance that a second child after that may have autism. Of course, Ooh. what that means, what that means actually, is there's an 80% chance or 81% chance the next child may not. But if the next child after that has autism, the chance that the one after that may have is even higher. Is higher, yes. Yeah. So with every child who may have autism or be on the spectrum in a family, parents need to be aware that if they're going on to have the next child, there's a risk and the risk gets higher and higher. So oh. that's important to note. So for people having children, it's important to give this kind of advice and this kind of... Of course, nobody will say don't have the child or don't have more children, but we need to be aware about the risks. That's one. Number two, generally science has found that 
um, there is a tendency for older aged parents to have a child with autism. So what that means is as people grow older, if you're looking for a child, you need to be aware that the risk that a child may, may have may have autism is higher the older you get. And then some studies will say it's more, it's, there's more risk with the man. Some will say there's more risk with the woman. I think there's a lot more consensus around a, an elderly woman or a woman beyond a certain age. So, so those are things that they identify. There's a lot of other things like um, um, what the woman is exposed to in pregnancy. So, for example, there's some drugs, medications for things for epilepsy, for example. Um, and there is some research that connects to women who are, you know, on the big side, obese or you know, have problems with diabetes and metabolic, you know, problems like that. So generally, good lifestyle choices, you know, uh, manage your weight well, be healthy if you're an expectant mother. Uh, if you notice any sign of illness, see a doctor quickly, register early in pregnancy. Why are those important? Illnesses in pregnancy, you know, usually the way a healthcare practitioner thinks for a woman in pregnancy is you must treat to make sure the woman is safe. It's primary to think of the health of the mother, not the child. And some of these medications may affect the child in ways we don't know. That's true. There are yeah. some that are identified. So some epilepsy medicines, something called thalidomide that was used long ago, it's not used anymore. You know, there's a strong association with autism. And then also children who are low, very low birth weight have increased risk of children. Um, so generally, all of these points to the woman, you know, the woman who is expectant, being very healthy as much as possible. Um, in pregnancy and registering early in pregnancy, be sure that you are being followed up closely. If there is anything that seems to be not going well, you get treatment and proper kind of treatment early. I would also mention one point, and that's just because um, I have a patient I'm seeing right now who um, had unfortunately had a meningitis after birth. It was a herpes meningitis, very unusual, but that resulted in a whole lot of problems cerebral palsy, autism, and um, wow. you know, intellectual wow. disability. So it is possible. That there are some infections in early life, so even after the child has been born, there may be some kind of some infections that the child may be exposed to that may cause those kind of symptoms in later life. So health generally, and being as healthy and safe as possible, is my general advice. And to avoid alcohol because some there's some connection between alcohol in pregnancy and, and autism involved in, in childhood. Um, so generally, those are it's a very broad thing, um, but I think taking from that the ones that you know stick out quite strongly are the research that are strong about, you know, a child in the family with autism and the age of the parent. Um, All right. Yeah. Oh, I'm getting I'm getting information. This is this is an eye opener for me right now. Honestly. Okay, so so yes, the most important thing you want to do is just make sure you're keeping healthy. Whether you're pregnant, you're not pregnant, just keep healthy. All right? Because whatever you do can affect the children that come out of you. Wow. Absolutely. Yeah. That's important. Okay, so my next question, Mrs. Betty. Now that you know that your son is autistic, you've finally heard the verdict. You know, someone says when you when you've discovered the problem, the solution is already you're already halfway there. You're almost at the finish line. So now that you know what the problem is, if you look back now, so in hindsight, what are some of the things you would have you know, done and the things you would have not done if you knew back then that, okay, this is this. It's not actually like this. is autism. It's not that maybe my child is just acting funny for now. What are some of the things that you would have actually done back then if you knew what you, if you knew back then what you know now? Well, what I would have done back then. Yes. I believe number one, I wouldn't have 
gone as far as um, cutting out his tag, tongue tag, again, which resulted to so much pain okay. and agony for me and him. And then I believe I would have, at the same time, you know, start seeing a therapist. Hell, very that, early. Very early. That would mm -hmm. advise us and maybe, maybe check on him. Although I wouldn't have been able to do much also then because we are not financially capable at all. Mm -hmm. So it would have been even same. Uh, but at least it, it would have been more easier for me. Definitely. Maybe by now, the, the level we are now, maybe by now he would have, you wouldn't even notice it at all in his character. Maybe if we started earlier. Yes. And be putting all these uh, measures I am putting now, it will, uh, you wouldn't have noticed it at all, at all, both in his uh, hand movement and all that. Like he's around now, he's the one uh, distracting me a little. He's around. <laughs> <laughs> so he's the one anchoring my own. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. Mine is actually doing well anyway. So, anyway, in all, I still say I bless God. But That's important. This is actually building me up. Well and because of this uh, situation, uh, I, I get to know doctor and I get to know you. So without this, I might not know people like you. <laughs> That's true. Yes, so it's actually a good experience anyway for me. And we're so happy that he's doing well now. That's the most important part, Ooh, that he's yeah. doing well now. That's very good. Okay, so Dr. Adish, now, yeah. initially, we, we, you, you know, you explained to us why autism is a spectrum of disorders. Yeah. And you said it can manifest in different ranges in yeah. different individuals. So what are some of the warning signs, the early warning signs that someone can look out for when it comes to this disorder called autism? You know, because you've spoken on the importance of early recognition and yeah. action by the parents. So what are some of the signs that if I look at my child and maybe he's acting this way, like I remember Mrs. Betty mentioned mm. Emmanuel being like focused on round moving objects. Yeah. So what are some of those other signs that someone can look out for? Like if I see this, I know, okay, this might be a warning sign that my child has autism. Okay. Um, one of the one of the commonest things parents will complain about, or what we're worried about, is speech. Um, my my child is not developing speech early. All right, so okay. I will say I'll, I'll just give a couple of you know brief outlines, and then talk about the general you know like um, characteristics we would typically look for in autism. So, for example, one of the first forms of communication a child or a, a baby would have is a social smile. We'd expect a baby to smile back within the first six to eight weeks. If you smiled at them, that's not the spontaneous smile of, you know, you know, I'm happy I'm going to sleep, you know, you know, but actually a social smile, baby has recognized that you're smiling and smiling back. So if by yes. about, if by about three, um, about six months, three months, six months, the child is not giving any social smile, it may be a sign of concern. All right. Okay. Um, by about nine months, the child should start to mimic um, sounds and um, facial expressions also. Um, so, you know, the child is looking at, can make eye contact by that time and would usually mirror what's on the face of the closer, close, closest attached person. So usually that's the mother. So the mother is smiling, usually by eight-month-old eight child, you need to smile back to nine-month-old child. Um, 
usually or way way before that so if by nine months old you're not seeing any of that it's a bit of a problem um by 12 months they may not have formed words some children will actually have a first word by 12 months but if a child is not babbling usually children will start to babble by 10 11 months so if the child's not babbling by 12 months there may be a need for concern so what, what i mean by babbling is you know a child just you know making, just making those making, funny noises yeah making verbal attempts essentially exactly so they're yeah. they're happy and usually you say a child doing that if adults are talking the child is yeah. and talk around themselves so that's social behavior it's almost copying what the adult is doing and then an attempt to establish themselves in being able to make vocal communication so if that's not there by 12 months no attempt at all that, that, that's a bit worrying um usually by about 12 months um the child usually would wave, you know, 12 months, one year. You know, that's 12 months, you know, 13 months. The child would wave or point. If by about 14 months, you know, a child is not waving, you know, like bye-bye, you know, someone is leaving, or, you know, usually a parent will wave and the child will look at wave. Or wave or, back. You know, or point at things. You know, usually adults do a lot of pointing, even, even unconsciously. And the child learns to do those gestures. So the child is not doing any of that. Or you're waving and the child isn't waving back. Or, you know, or waving like you, you know, by about 14 months, you know, what, you know, 10 to 15 months, you should be worried. Um, usually by about 18 months, they're about a child by then. I mean, that's way after one year, should have known the first word or be able to make at least one word. So if by about one and a half years, the child is still not making one word, um, you might be, you might need to seek help. Um, and then there's, there's a lot of make-believe play, you know, I, I talked about imitation. So right from the first year of life, children imitate, and that's how they learn a lot of things. If you notice by about one and a half years that there's very little imitation going on, you know, you're doing something, the child is even trying to do what you're doing. It's not, it's just kind of in their own world. And especially with other children, because, you know, Africa generally, we bring children to interact with themselves. Since their children are doing a certain things, even as early as 18 months, and the child is really not, you know, although they talk about parenting, it doesn't seem to be interested. You know, yeah. you start to notice that usually on their own, they're not doing anything with any other child. You should pay, pay attention to that. With respect to speech also by about two years, usually by about two years is when people say, okay, by about two years, you should see some effort in making speech. And if that's not there by two years, usually there's something really wrong um, and you should get it paid for help. Um, generally speaking, there are three broad areas. You know, we, we talk about speech language development. So a lot of what I've mentioned has to do with language development as well as non-verbal communication. So a child with other children who's doing things by themselves um, is not well developed in terms of non-verbal communication and social development and that's very important because a large chunk of of functioning as an adult is social communication so how does the child manage when um when someone around them for example is laughing or smiling or is emotional how does the child respond to that those are things you start to notice um, in, early, okay. in, in early life uh, as well as repetitive in, um, in repetitive behaviors or restrictive interests. So Mrs. Betty talked about noticing things going around. Yes. You know, so if a child, for example, is fixated on things in a certain way, so a child can watch either look at the ceiling or things. Watching things going around for boys is very common. So they, you find that they can do that for a long time. Time, that's a, yeah. That's a, bit, that's a bit unusual. And it could be one of the signs, first signs that you notice. Um, or she mentioned running tap. You know, they're always fascinated, often fascinated in water too. You know, and they could play with that. It's okay for a child to play with that for a couple of seconds. You don't usually just lose interest and go to something else. But if a child is fixated on that and doing it for a really long time and it's difficult to distract them, 
that's one of your signs that this is a circumscribed interest, you know, and that's what yeah. you're seeing autism. So these are, those, are, those are very broad. The children would, may not have all of this. A lot of children would not have all of this. But if you notice one or two or three or four, um, you know, of these things, then you would be better to get help as early as you, as you can. Okay. It seems Emmanuel wants to join us on the show today. Yes. <laughs> okay, so um, Dr. Adejumo, I remember Mrs. Betty mentioning things like um, being, uh, I think, told to go to therapy when you was finally diagnosed with autism. And then she also mentioned the fact that financially that was a difficult task. So can you share with us some of the facilities for helping a child diagnosed with this autism spectrum disorder and what are some of the barriers or what are some of the ways the parents can avoid barriers to access and available resources? Thank you. That's a very important question. Um, I would say that everywhere in the world, um, resources you know, to, to address autism are a big issue. And maybe they are more available in developed countries compared to, you know, like underdeveloped but at the same time, it's still there's still under a lot of pressure to access these things. Um, so a lot of the time, they would say the way a child present, presents or the issues the child has define what kind of therapy or what kind of intervention that you the child will need. One of the things That's that is true. most common is speech and language development, speech and language therapy. For a lot of children, let me just say that a lot of children eventually will speak, but it might take a while. And the earlier one starts to help them to develop speech, the better for their confidence and the better for their ability to interact with their environment and the easier they pick it up eventually. So the earlier you can start to help that child who has a delay with developing speech, the better. So speech and language therapy is very, very, very important. Unfortunately, when I was in Nigeria, I was working in one of the biggest teaching hospitals, but we had maybe one speech and language therapist. Wow. So it was, it was, I mean, it was something we complained a lot about. But I had a colleague who set up a center, and she was trying to do a lot of things by herself, the psychiatrist. You know, and she was, there's just nobody to do these things. My understanding is that over the years, things have improved quite a bit. There are a lot of centers that have sprung up, um, and people who are developing ways, um, as there is more and more information, um, people have, have recognized that there is a need in this area. There's a lot more resource available. Talk about that in a minute. Um, the other things are, um, so apart from speech and language therapy, there's a need for social skills training. So, you, you know, for a lot, the, for normal, the, not, the, well, let me not say the normal child, the, the child who is not autistic, um, a yes. lot of things are learned intuitively. What, I, what do I mean by that? You never told a child that when someone smiles at you, you smile back. You smile back, yes. It was naturally, a child evolves like that. But a child with autism, some of those things you need to tell them. So, this is better has to say, that cup, that is the cup. For a normal child, they'll figure it out. Yes. So a lot of things have to be taught to the child, including how to behave in social circumstances. And some of that is not learned easily. A lot of that may have to come with like reinforcement, you know, rewards, you know, rewards when the child does the wrong, the right thing. When you don't do the right thing, you don't give the reward. Shaping behavior in that way. So there are ways that you need to work with the child with autism in developing social skills. That's one form of therapy that's very important. The other forms come up when you have challenging behavior. So, for example, she mentioned banging the head early. If a child yes. develops that, you know, so that can be very challenging and, of course, very distressing for the mother to watch. And it might be different things the child is expressing. Some children may bang their head when they're excited. Wow. They might bang their head when they're distressed and they just can't express it. Um, I'm in pain. 
or I'm hungry or I want attention or there's something I want that I can't find it. You know, those kind of things. So it, yeah. it, it takes, it takes, which is why, you know, someone like Ms. Betty has found out she's had to spend a lot of time with him. And by now, she would have become an expert in recognizing <laughs> what, he, what, what he needs. When That's he true. Act, you know? But some parents may not have those, the patience or may not even have the, maybe the, the tax to pick up those things. And you may need the support of um, like, a, like a therapist or a special person who will work alongside with you and say, no, this is probably what the child needs. Why don't you offer this? Let's see what happens. Why don't you offer that? And that way you might be able to reduce the challenging behavior, reduce the headbanding, redirect the self-harm, you know, all those kind of things. So those kind yeah. of specialized interventions would be necessary when there's difficult behavior or things like the child isn't sleeping well or managing routine. You know, those things need therapy help sometimes. Um, there's something else that came to mind. Um, Parents oh. need parental skills training a lot of the time. Because even for raising normal children, you need support. You need to learn what to do and what not to do. This not to do, things. yes. And for a child with autism, their needs are special. And you need to act in it. There are special ways you need to do the things you would normally do. And sometimes you need you know, a therapist to come along and teach these things. Um, as time has gone on, um, I would say that there is a lot more information out there. And with that has come a lot of resource. Um, I'm not so. I heard you mention UPTH. Um, this is um, Mrs. Betty. Um, I know in a lot of places in the southwest have centers and people who do a lot of autism work. Um, and we used to complain when I was back working in Nigeria about how, like I was just telling Mrs. Betty, how how much what were people offering? Was it really sound? Was it really you know evidence based and all that? But I think that the presence of resources itself is a good sign. We can be talking later about how effective it is, or at least yes, there. and it starts yes. with them being available. Um, there are a couple of as of like um, advocacy groups, like advocacy um, organizations. I know I know a couple in Lagos um, who advocate for this sort of thing. Unfortunately, when it comes to accessing things one on one, therapists still require that you pay. Um, I don't That's true. Back in Nigeria is out of pocket, unfortunately. Um, but I know with a lot of advocacy going on, there's a lot of you know noise around how to support people who really don't have the, the means to. Um, I'm not. I, I would say I'm not exactly current with what's available right now. I would say a good place to start would be the teaching hospitals. Why? Because okay. teaching hospitals usually are a hub of where you have specialists. Um, if I trained as, I mean, my my colleagues in Nigeria will all be psychiatrists. Most of them are either in psychiatric centers or teaching hospitals. And usually they're the ones who will have the expertise to say, okay, I can make a diagnosis of autism and work alongside the pediatrics. And because there are pediatricians that are very resourced also to say this is what we can identify. And if they, usually if there are places available, those people will usually be in touch with the psychiatrist. You know, so a psychiatrist okay. usually will be in a good position. Usually if it's child psych, we don't have a lot of child psychiatrists in Nigeria, but we don't have a lot of psychiatrists doing work with children who will be who will be aware about a lot of centers or places where you can get help. I'm saying that specifically because I know my colleague, like I mentioned, set up a center and she's very, she was very um, open to like giving you know, concessions to people who couldn't pay. Afford, and yes. And couldn't afford. So there are ways of, it starts with asking around. And like I mentioned, right. a good place to start is ask the specialists in the teaching hospital. Right? Teaching hospitals. Them. Keep asking them, you know, okay, you, you referred me to this person. Oh, this is how much the person is asking me to pay. It's hard for me right now. Do you know of any other? You know, and you'll be surprised. That person may not know that day, but the next day they'll meet another child who says, oh, I met someone there, and this is how much I'm paying them. And then the person calls you up and says, oh, can you check this person out? You know, so a lot of things come with 
you know, not, not many centers. Centers are springing up every day. Not a lot of them are well-known. But a lot of them would offer services that may be competitive. And the best ways to know how to find the people who tend to see children with autism because they would have knowledge about what's available and what's not available. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, Mrs. Betty, I have one final question for you. Now that, you know, you've come a long way and I really admire you as a human being because if I were to be a mother tomorrow now, I think you'd be like major life goals for me because you have values, man. You have values that, like that, that really inspire me. Your patience, oh Lord, and your love for your son is incredible. So now that you've learned all this so far, what are some of the things that you've learned and you are grateful for when it comes to striving for the best for your child that has been diagnosed with autism? Well, um, I've learned patience to be patient. I've learned to love and I've become a good listener, unlike me. Mm. I don't have that patience to listen to long talks or even read long posts or long um, volume books or something like that. Yes. But due to this, I now have patience a lot even in marital crisis like this, marital challenges, I have questions a whole lot. And then I have learned to love. To love, especially, it's as if I'm not connected to special children. Anywhere I see them, even if it doesn't show, I know, I see. It's just like, they are just like mirrors. They are like mirrors to me now. I see through them. So I'm so grateful for how far I've gone for these past eight years. I'm so grateful. I'm so, so grateful. So um, I believe God that as in with, with time, I still want more. That patience, that love, I want to see in my strife. I want to see the, that's a future I am aspiring for him. Mm. You know, the patient to work to see to the end. That's just my experiences and what I'm grateful for. At least what I am working on, on my own, I'm seeing the result. The result. So yes. yes, I'm just so happy and grateful to God and good friends around me. That is so, that is so beautiful. All right, Dr. Adejimo. Now, you've mentioned, you know, some of the few things that a parent can do for their, for their autistic child, go into teaching hospital, so, you know, ask around, make sure you have the right information, that not just you complaining that maybe you don't have the financial means. Like Mrs. Betty, for example, she actually went to find out before, you know, picking a few things that she could work with, and she's saying it now that she has seen results. So for the average person who has nothing, whatsoever to do with anything. You don't have a family member, you don't have maybe a relative, or you don't know anybody who is autistic. But what are the things that an average person can do to help make the world a better place for people, sorry, for persons who are affected by this 
disorder and for families dealing with this disorder? Because I think Mrs. Betty also just mentioned being around good friends. Mm. So I think I'm trying to find out now how do how does each and every one of us become a good friend to people going through this situation? I think it starts with information and knowing that there is a lot of information out there right now. One of the things in the developed world that has evolved over the past few years is um, a lot of advocacy around autism. In fact, if you, I was watching a movie the other day. Even in movies now, you're trying to, the portrayal is to try as much as possible to see the individual with autism as a person. She mentioned something early in this um, podcast that was very, that I liked. She said, God did not give me autism. Gave yes, me, he gave me so, a child. You know, yes. and you know, one thing we have been at you know at the risk of doing over the years is see the disorder and not see the person. Not the child, yes. You know, this is a person. This is a person. And the truth is there are a lot of people, you know, who I'll I'll give you a very interesting uh, analogy. One of my very close colleagues, she's a therapist. I worked with her several years ago and I got to talking with her again recently. And we got work talking a lot because we, we used to you know work really really hard with our patients and oftentimes after closing time we will still be you know finishing discussing patients and all of that. She told me recently that she's trying to get a diagnosis of autism for herself. I'm saying that to say that there is a lot that a child with autism can achieve, and they would only achieve that if we see them first as a person and to look for ways of amplifying their strengths. If we look at only the disorder and the things that are wrong, you know, or wrong with them, you know, then we, then we label them and we make that what they are about, then we don't help them. So as an individual looking in from the outside, one thing you can learn, one thing every one of us can do is to learn that even if the person doesn't seem to be able to understand life the way we understand it, they are still a person with skills, they are still a person with potential, they are still a person who can achieve really wonderful things. What that means is that we look for every opportunity to advocate. You know, okay. to get information, to advocate. So whenever people are having conversations that lead to people with special needs or autism, I can put in a voice and say, see, give, listen to those people. They're people like us. And they can achieve great things too. So it starts from yes. there. If as a person, I'm, I'm not looking down on a child with autism, I'm not, I don't have any, I may not have, imagine I don't have any of them, my family, I don't, I'm not connected with any of them, but I know in my mind that when I hear autism, I'm not hearing a life sentence or a death sentence. I'm hearing of people who may have some need but to all intents and purposes, are just like me. Yes. You know, then that's an attitude I can start to form. So the day I get into the office and there's just this person that everybody's talking about, they don't communicate, they're not very social, but they do their work well. I mean, understand, oh, that person may actually be on the spectrum. They don't have to join people to say he's a bad person, but understand that they may have certain needs in terms of social communication. Yes. You know, and of course, if I see parents struggling or, you know, people who are, you know, really scared because they just got a diagnosis, I can say, oh, I know that people, a lot of people all over the world are talking about autism. And I know it's not the end of the world. Definitely not the end of the world. It is not the end of the world at all. You know, let's start to talk about what are the things that are positive about this child. Let's start to talk about the things that we can identify that are strengths. And let's focus okay. on those, you know, and I can spread the word around. So that's one thing I, I really like everyone to be able to do, even if you don't feel you're directly connected to autism. Spread the word around. Autism is not a death sentence. It doesn't, sign, it doesn't sign the end of a child's potential at all. You know, it actually just says that this is just somebody who sees life differently, who interacts with their environment in a different way from the average person. And if we can understand that, then we can be happier around them and we can help them achieve their full potential. 
Okay. So I like I like the fact that you said it is not a death sentence. You know, because I feel like most people just especially when it comes to mental health, we just see it as if you're diagnosed with anything, it just means you're no longer normal. And I don't know what normal is in this sense, but that means you're no longer normal. So there's always issues around that. But there's a conception I have, or yeah, it should be a conception, that autistic children are always artistic. Artistic, do you say? Like art? Yes, art. Would um, that be correct? I would say a large number of them. Um, so I did this colleague I was talking about a few minutes ago. Interesting, we were just having a chat the other day. She said she's an art therapist. And that's her area. And she's a therapist, but she focuses on art. And almost every child she has seen with autism has some art inclination or the other. So you are correct. However, there are, there are some of those who have strengths in other areas. And okay. a, friend, a friend of mine just last month um, was talking about someone who, um, so when she came to visit someone in the UK and a friend of hers, and, the, and the, boy, the boy clearly has a lot of challenges. He's diagnosed with autism. But he's very, very smart with numbers. Just four years wow. old. But he can, wow. almost, almost any sum you give him, he was, he was, and you don't know how he does it. He just produces the answer. It's correct. So some of them have strengths in certain other areas too. I wouldn't say that that's a far reaching. That happens to a lot of them. But there are some of them who have, hmm. for example, outstanding mathematical ability. Some of them are very good on, with music and the piano, um, um, and, or musical instruments. Um, you know, so so things that involve a lot of, you know, like talent and all that. You know, sometimes you see a bit of a flair in them for those things. And those are okay. skills and strengths that can be amplified and um, encouraged. I, I heard I heard I heard Mrs. Betty sigh. That's why I was so deep. So <laughs> I would I would ask now, have you noticed any certain traits, any talent, any hidden talent in Emmanuel yet? Or he's keeping it for like the later years? Like I'll just surprise you one of these days. My Emmanuel is multi-talented, so I'm confused. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. So <laughs> I wouldn't say if he wants to become a master chef. Wow. I like that. Yes, he doesn't go out from the kitchen. He knows the salt can. He knows the seasoning can. He knows, in fact, if you know, he actually has noticed if I want to make any form of food, he knows the things I need. He brings them out. I'm telling you. To the level of if I want to cut a winkle, he goes to get my stone, the knife, the bowl. Everything I need. That or, is so beautiful. If he wants to be a chef, that's fantastic. Or maybe he wants to be a a drummer, a drum, you know, people that plays drum. Yeah. Because he doesn't go out from it. If maybe you go to the church, he doesn't go out from it. So I don't equally know if he wants to be uh, someone that creates uh, this all these lights that you know that reflects. Yes. Like that, he will want to watch. Like, if you give him any toy, there's no more toy in the house, he will lose everything and be finding out why that light is reflecting <laughs> from there. And then he makes this kind of tempo from his mouth, he makes all kinds of danceable music with his mouth. Oh, hmm. I, 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 I get, I get, I get the yeah, multi talented now. I, <laughs> this mouth, he will use it, no sign, if he wants to tinka. He will be making it with his, you know, with his mouth, just lips. But you, you go to him, and I'll be washing plate, and I, he's making those, and I'll be nodding my head. <laughs> or he wants to, or he wants to make another sound like. 
you know, all this kind of dance with mouth. Oh. Nice. You no, know, we are. I want to put my interest, my focus on. No, <laughs> all, I, all of them. I actually like this. I like this. I like the fact that he has gotten so good that he's <laughs> on the confusion on the confusion place right now. Like, do we go here? Do we go here? He's like, mommy, don't worry. I have, I have, I have areas. I'm ready. I'm ready to choose. Just let's explore first. I really like this, and I have to say, I commend you once again. You pay attention, mm-hmm. Jesus Christ. You pay close at. It's like your. It's I don't. I don't know how to explain this. Doctor Adeshima, I think you might be able to help me. It's almost as if the both of you are in sync. Mm-hmm. So you know, you know, like, okay, this one is a different one. This one is a different, like, man, God, you're so good. I'm okay, so before, before we close today, I'm having so much fun. It's like, we should not stop, but we have to stop. So <laughs> before I close today, I would ask Dr. Adejimo. You know, we're looking at multi-talents in Emmanuel right now. But I heard something somewhere, and I'd like you to confirm it for me. So is it true that Albert Einstein had autism? The difficulty with that, that answering that question is at the time of Albert Einstein, Albert Einstein was an inventor. I mean, um, okay. The, the current criteria for diagnosing autism wasn't in, in operation. So people yes. didn't recognize autism as an entity back then. A lot of what they describe sounds like he might have been something we call, you know, high-functioning autism, or what used to be called Asperger's disease, um, and that just describes it, it, a form of, um, well, something on the spectrum of autism where the IQ is normal or above normal. What that means is the intelligence level is normal, like normal child or above normal, but the okay. areas they might struggle may be areas of social communication, social interaction. You know, and maybe be a bit clumsy here and there. But as far as intelligence is concerned, it was fine. So um, apart from, you know, so people have said that about, you know, about, about him. Um, but we don't, unfortunately, we don't live in his time, you know, to be able to, like, apply all the you know, tools of diagnosis yeah. for certain. Um, so there, we, we can only say there is a likelihood. I mean, same was, same was the same with, with, with Isaac Newton and a couple of other people um, who were you know, inventors or, you know, really, really talented just geniuses yeah so it's possible they might be on the spectrum if only we had a time machine to go back and find out (laughs) but no we don't we don't have one yet okay so any last words from the both of you before we close today mrs betty yes um, okay my my last word is a kind of plea. I don't even know if I'm allowed to ask the doctor a question. <laughs> I don't know. So, you can't. You can go ahead. Yes. Um, I wanted to say something. It's about me. Hmm. I think I really think I need. I also need help. You know, like okay. my mental health really needs attention because I notice I am not. Most times, I'm not myself. My emotion is being troubled. I don't focus. I even forget. I really think I need this a kind of a psychiatric attention. Someone need to help me mentally mm. or emotionally. There are so many things. I don't know if it's about troubles around me or what, but that feeling is not really good. I don't read. If I read, I have all a whole lot of headaches. And I, I don't focus. I don't even understand most times what I read. So I need attention. 
area. And then my Emmanuel, I think um, if maybe a therapy, therapist is given to him, I actually need someone that will help me find out what Emma really is or who he really is or the area of maybe what he intend, he would like, likely be. You know, I might not really okay. find out this, but a therapist can do that for me. For but, you. Yes, but I cannot, as as I now, I'm still doing apprenticeship in the world, I cannot get that. You know, I can maybe get a therapist for him and all of that. So I believe that with the level Emma is, if if you see Emma physical, I'm actually talking with you, you guys from the restroom. So Emma okay. feels I'm using the toilet. <laughs> that is why everywhere is calm, like no distractions. That is what I know I can do so I can talk to you. I'm here, sweating, self. We are like So as at this point, I feel man needs more love. A man needs to live to change uh, uh, I mean environment. A man needs to be around things that he have not seen before, like uh, maybe gadgets or things to play around because I feel he he wants to discover some certain no. things which in this environment that I am or the, the parents he have now, he might not be able to assess all that. I feel this boy will fly if uh, any kind of Give like that yes. is, given, is given to him. And then <laughs> me, the mother... <laughs> My mental health also needs attention. It's only doctors that will, you know, find out what it is, what it could be, why am I not focused, why am I forgetting so easily, and all of that. And thank so, God we have a doctor with us here. <laughs> so, and, that. and then I'm happy being in this talk show. Thank you so much. So I will, leave, I will just push that right on over to Dr. Adejimo, because me too, I want to hear, I want to learn. Well, thank you. But at the, at the risk of turning this podcast into a consultation yes. session, which I don't yes. want to do, I mean, yes. for, for, for obviously confidential reasons and things like that. Yes. I think, um, Ms. Betty, you, I, I think you, I think you need to see someone. Um, it might be helpful to see a psychiatrist. And yes. that, that doesn't necessarily mean that there is a big diagnosis there. But what you described, um, at the very least, could be due to burnout. I mean, we use the word burnout when we talk about healthcare practitioners who are working round the clock and don't get any rest and stuff like that. Working with someone with autism is a full-time job. No be lie. Plus, 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 plus. And then, you know, you, I think you have other children too. You have other things to worry about. Your wife, you know, and so all of that can be overwhelming. And it might not necessarily be like a diagnosis, like maybe you're depressed or something, but just having to cope with all of that can start to impact on your sleep hours, the ability to concentrate and remember, you know, um, and that may just be it. Um, there's something called respite care um, that, that, that we do in developed countries sometimes when, you know, you actually take the child from the carer for a period of time so that the carer can just have some me time. And sometimes that's important just to help you recalibrate and just settle a bit and get a bit yes. of yourself together before the child comes back. I'm not sure yes. how much of that we can affect in Nigeria, but you know, sometimes we get we get support informally, like a family or friend, some, yes. or friend or someone who the mom might be, you know, familiar with, who can either, you know, maybe have him for a couple of hours today, 
or even hang around with you for a period of time while you just sleep. You know, those kind of things. So I want to help you do this, help you do that, and a lot of those kind of things. I'm saying that when the government is not able to provide, we can sometimes find support in our extended family. That's what we don't have in the developed world because people don't have a lot of family around them. Mm-hmm. But but back in Nigeria, sometimes we have friends who understand people who can come in. We have family who can support you know, cousins or brother there, you know, um, and can do different things for you. Having said that, um, and I'm saying that to you, sound let me say why you sound like a very resilient woman. Yes. When I say resilient, I mean someone who's strong, someone who, in the face of a lot of really daunting um, experiences, has managed yes. to pick yourself up and get going, and even be innovative about doing things by yourself. What that tells me is you already have a support system built in yourself to withstand stress. But we know that autism can be stressful. And sometimes your emotions are real. So it is possible that, you know, I I don't want to rule out the fact that there may be some depression there that that may just be trying to creep in and you need support for that. Um, It may not necessarily be medications. It might just be some counseling. It might be some therapy for yourself. Um, And that's important. And of course, people always say that a man can only get the amount of his mom as his well. So for him to get the best, you have to be the best. Yes, you, you also know, have to be You have to be well. You have to be you know, sound you know, to be able to be there for him. Um, mm. um, I'll, I'll find myself continuing to refer to um, to, to major centers. Um, you, you, you sounded like you reside in Port Harcourt or you have connections with PPTH. Yes, I, I reside in Port Harcourt. Um, and do you go to the you know the teaching hospital? Mm, yes, I do go to BMH and teaching hospital most of the time. But the longer I've gone now. Because um, let me tell you why why I would be keen to refer you to that place is we all have the same as far so I'm, you know, when you're introducing you mentioned the West African College of Physicians and National National Physical Imaging College. Before someone becomes a consultant in those places, they have to go through the same process. So I kind of know the level of expertise of doctors you find there. And I think that in terms of resources, they will still be the best place to help. So if someone not in a you know an accredited center says, oh, they think you're depressed, you should take some medication, I might be a bit skeptical. But if someone in those places says, I've spoken with you and I think this is the kind of help you need, I will take it. So so I think also there are government facilities that they're going to charge, they wouldn't charge like the way you would have to pay for private facilities, for example. So a good place to start may be seeing a psychiatrist in a teaching hospital. Yes, um, okay. And just talk about your, you know, how you're feeling, what's been happening with you. You know, um, I'm, I'm reading, I'm not remembering what I'm reading, and it seems like I'm forgetting, I'm a bit stressed. You know, and I explain the circumstances. You know, I have a child with special needs, um, and I'm having to provide care. You know, what you're doing is you're, you're the carer for that child, and that's a 24 hour job. Anybody knows it's a 24 hour job, it's, it's not easy, and you're having to cope with several things, and you're going through all of this. And it will not be affecting your health and the way you feel. And they'll know where to take it, how to take it from them. Um, okay. Yeah. Uh, oh, so well, that session is... Outside of this meeting, you know, I could, I could maybe, you know, link up with you and see who I can possibly, you know, talk to. I mean, most of my contacts are elsewhere in the country, but I could still reach out and see if I can okay. connect. Okay. Yeah. Thank you very much. Thank you. Uh-huh. All right, uh-huh. so... That's where it I've... starts. Can I mention something else, Joyce? Sorry, just before you round up. Okay, I, okay. I would, I, um, you, you mentioned about Ima, what he will become. I, I think it might be a bit early to say yes. this is what he should do or this is where he should go. The boy is still unfolding. From everything you said, he has a lot of capabilities. 
and we can't say just that like his is, mother just <laughs> you know so he, he might be a master of so many areas he might be talented yes. in many areas. what i'd like to do is to encourage him in every area possible while okay. teaching him social skills and communication you know okay. and then you see different things evolve and then eventually he's the one who will decide this is where i want to go or this is what okay. i'd rather do you know okay. sometimes someone is younger you think ah this guy is a musician but you might be shocked that there may be other talents that circumstances in life will unlock. And, and yes. You know, and you might choose to become a computer geek tomorrow. And, you know, you don't see it coming, but it's there. You know, so let's not be a bit, let's not say, you know, it's hard to start early and say this is where he's likely to end up. Let's just okay. give all the opportunity for him to evolve and grow. Yes, sir. Thank you, sir. I, I really enjoy this. I enjoy this. We just had a mini, a mini session right now in a session. I really like this. Okay, so Mrs. Betty has given us her final words and she has said, I love you so much, Mom, for being so, so, so vulnerable and just being so honest That's with true. us today. Thank you so much, Mrs. Betty, because your honesty is going to really change someone's life who's listening to this right now. Because, Thank you know, we're you. all afraid of being seen as weak. We're all, mm. everybody wants to be the super person. You don't want to admit that you might be, de be dealing with situations and all of that. And I mean, for someone who cares for a child so much, to be able to admit that, yes, I'm dealing with this, not easy after all. That is very beautiful. Now, Dr. Adejima, before we close, any last words for us? Uh, my last words would be um, the way the world is going now. And this is to everybody listening. Yes. We are, we are no more seeing autism as a disability. I mean, in the context of allocating resources, we can see people with disabilities. But in terms of ability, we are more and more seeing autism as people who just see the world differently. In a, yes, in a different so, way. So they have their way of learning. They have their way of interacting with the world. They are no less than anybody else. At all. And, and we should see them as that. So the, in fact... I don't know how much people know, but in the course of lockdown and you know the COVID and all of that, so many people who we thought, oh, this guy can't do anything, have actually been able to function just through their computers, solving problems that we never imagined they could solve. And the way the world is going, we will see a lot more of that. Happening. More of that, yes. So for anyone who sees that, you know, oh, maybe you know, there's a lot of information about autism now. When you hear autism, don't think of those guys or something. Listen. Find out what it's about because the guy next to you in the office tomorrow will be solved with autism and he will solve your problem. All right. I want everyone yes. to see autism as a condition, you know, that is just different from the way the rest of us interact with the world. There are people who, you know, are just like us, they need our support, but they are able to achieve really, really great things. And that'll be my message to everyone out there. And for those living with a child with autism or a loved one with autism. As time goes on, there's a lot more information than there ever has. Well, I would encourage you to keep asking. Look in your area yes. for an autism advocacy group. There is one almost everywhere in the world. There is somebody speaking out about autism. Join the group. Talk to people. You know, like she said something very important. Don't hide and, yes. and reject it. You can be there and praying for your child, but still look for everything that's available to support your child. Because the God that you're praying to has also provided resources. So while you're praying that this thing get better and your child improve, look for the help you can get. That's what you can do around you. Look for ways that you can get support. Look for people with, with children who are also in similar situations. You'll be shocked about how much support you get. You'll be su yes. surprised about how much you will learn just from other people's experience and how much you feel that eventually I'm not alone here. Yes. You know, maybe I'm even better off than someone else. 
you know, who maybe has two or three children in the same situation. I know something like that, you know. So connect with people around you. Ask for help. And don't, this is different from 10 years ago when we were all hiding, you know, don't mention autism. See, autism is out there. Everyone knows about it. Everybody has heard about it, you know, and everybody will continue to hear about it. So look for help. Connect with people around you and find support. And you will find that it helps very, very significantly in your own health and that of the person you're caring for. Thank you. Um, yes, yeah, so my, my, my last message really was to everyone, every one of us really, to recognize first of all that autism is not, like I said earlier, it's not a death sentence. More yes. and more as we go along, autism is being recognized as just something that makes a group of people different. It doesn't mean they are less capable and we shouldn't treat them as people that cannot achieve anything in life. We can see lots of experiences, of examples every day in the media, in news, of people who even in their, old, even in their elderly years, Get a diagnosis of autism. It means that they've known all along that there was something different about them. But about managed, them, yes. But they managed to succeed. Elon Musk, um, the richest man in the world, says he had he has autistic traits. There are lots and lots of performing artists who will tell you they are on the spectrum. Um, you know, mm-hmm. and what this tells me really is it's the way you see it that defines the way you address it. So if we recognize yes. as we go along that autism is not does not mean the person is is incapable for life. It means that. They're just different, and with the right support, they can achieve what any other person can achieve, and probably more. The other thing I like to point out as we go along is we're recognizing that people with autism see things differently. What that may mean is that some of the limitations that hold us back may not hold back. Hold them back, yes. So you you might find someone with autism solving problems in the future that we cannot see, that we can't see solutions to. Writing computer programs that solve, you know, I mean, the normal thing is overrated, I'm sorry. Um, yes, no, I'm not joking. It's really overrated. Um, so, so, so as much as possible, we should open our minds. It is actually conservative and restrictive to think about autism as, you know, um, you know, you know, a challenge, no, that, limits a challenge that, that limits your life. You know, that there is no hope for that person. That, that that's not true. Uh, and just like you know, um, man was talking about, you know, there are a lot of inventors that we can think back now and look at their lives and say there's a possibility that they were on the spectrum. Music composers who are extremely talented, Mozart, um, Beethoven. And people think now that they may have been on the spectrum just because of the, some of the social challenges that they had. But why are we yes. talking about them? We're talking about them because they had extraordinary talent in certain areas and gifted the world with that talent. So if we see everyone with autism as having that potential, then we, what we should be doing is supporting them, creating environments True. that can help them to try, that can help them to be the best that they can be. And we find that we learn even more from them and from the changes in our own selves as we work with them, as we go along. Um, that would That's be my true. message to everyone. And for those with someone with autism, reach out around you. Get all the support you can get. There's a challenge for those of us in, you know, like from Black Africa, from Nigeria, to, to not, so that people around will not talk, people will not say something. Yes. And to keep rejecting it. I am for not accepting illness and lying down in self-defeat. What that means is, I am for getting up and saying, oh, if this is what my child is struggling with, I will look for all the help I can while I'm praying for my child. So I believe in prayer. I believe in, um, you know, seeking support, you know, and praying to God and, uh, and rejecting disease in that context. But I'm for yes. accepting a child's needs and taking responsibility and doing what's needed. For, for, for doing what you can to make it better. Okay. All right. So I believe you have been blessed as much as I have been blessed because this whole experience has been an eye-opener for me. 
man, I didn't know anything about autism. Like, I think the little I knew was just from a little bit here, a little bit there. And now we're finding out that, yes, this is actually something the world needs to know more about. So in your place, wherever you find yourself, please and please don't be part of the community of bringing down people with this disorder. Please, having a disorder does not mean it's the end of the world. No, it just means you see through different eyes, all right? And I will tell you again, being normal is completely overrated, all right? Thank you so much for joining us today. Now, thank you to Dr. Adejimo. Thank you, Mrs. Betty, for just sharing your knowledge, your experience with us. I believe I'm not the only one who's getting something good from this. And I really hope we get to bring you on some other time so you can share with us at that point. Mrs. Betty will be sharing with us her success stories. You have one right now, but you'll be sharing greater success stories by that time. And then Dr. Adejimo... Yes. And Dr. Dejima will just be giving us some small, small tips. Like I've given you small before. You can take extra now. Thank you so much for joining us today. Now, then don't forget, for more information like this, you can simply log on to www.kitikahealth.com. That is C-U-T-I-C-A health.com. And for more episodes like this, find us on your podcast platforms like Spotify, Amazon and Apple Podcasts at Carigo by Cutica Health. I hope you always stay alive, healthy, and kicking and not normal. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Don't forget this is still Carigo by Cutica Health, and I am still your host, Aman. I'll see you next time. Thank you so much. Thank you. Okay, Bye. now we can.